Star Wars 7x7 episode 2036 today. It's a Patreon Q&A session. I'm going to answer questions from patrons of the show. We're going to talk about Finn's revelation or what he tried to reveal to Rey in The Rise of Skywalker. We're also going to talk about Chewbacca's family, about breaking up or not breaking up The Rise of Skywalker into two movies, and we're also going to talk about the hula hoop behind me in most of our recent episodes. Punch it! Hey Rebel Riser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode where we're going to answer questions from patrons about a variety of Star Wars topics. Most of them Rise of Skywalker in this particular case, one that is not. In fact, we'll start with the one that's not, just for the heck of it. <laughs> so Pamela Johnson asks, Is Chewbacca's family considered canon? Where are they while he is off flying around the galaxy? Is the holiday special considered canon? Alright, so I'm gonna take those backwards too. <laughs> so, the holiday special is not canon. In fact, at one point George Lucas said, I don't know if this is apocryphal at this point or what, but that he wished he could find every last copy of the holiday special and smash all the VHS tapes with a hammer because that's what they were on when they were out there is that people had recorded them on VHS tapes and he wished he could destroy all of them. So no, that is not canon and is not part of the reboot of the canon when Star Wars rebooted their canon in April of 2014. Yeah, that's right, April of 2014. So no, it is not. However, there are elements of that story that have been recanonized, and in particular, Chewbacca's family. So, for a start, Lumpy, Chewbacca's son, was first brought back into the new canon with the novel Aftermath Empire's End by Chuck Wendig. And part of the storyline, not to you know be too spoilery about it, but the novels have been out for a while, so, you know, it's not that spoilery, I guess, at this point. But um, the liberation of Kashyyyk is something that Han and Chewie are very passionate about, but the New Republic isn't ready to do it just yet, so they decide to go rogue, and that causes its own issues, <laughs> naturally. But the unfortunate thing for Chewbacca's son Lumpy is that he is in a Wookiee prison labor camp on Kashyyyk, and the fortunate thing is that they're able to free him, and Chewbacca and Lumpy are reunited, which is a beautiful thing. As for Chewbacca's dad, well, in the movie Solo, A Star Wars Story, you may remember the scene where Han finally asks what Chewie's name is, and Chewbacca says, and Han says, I'm not going to say that every time. Well, according to the script, what he actually says is Chewbacca, son of Atichuk. And this obviously doesn't necessarily officially make it canon, but kind of does, but that line is actually included in the junior novelization for Solo A Star Wars Story, and I'm taking the word of Wikipedia on that one, so that's where Atichuk officially becomes part of the canon. As far as Mala goes, well, there is a book, one of those replica journal things that was done by Jason Fry via Studio Fun, called Solo A Star Wars Story Tales from Vandor. And in that book, there's a line about Han saying something to the effect of hey, you're the married one to Chewie, like, find me a human with Mala's hair or something like that. And so that's where Mala gets introduced into the canon officially as well. So Mala and Lumpy and Atichuk 
all introduced originally in the Star Wars Holiday Special, but have been re-canonized since then in a variety of projects. And as far as we know, they were on Kashyyyk the whole time that Chewie is gallivanting around the galaxy, so yeah, yeah, not much more known than that. All right, Bobby Gordon wanted to ask about the rise of Skywalker and that whole two-movie business. In fact, here is the direct question. He says, what do you know about the idea of Rise of Skywalker being released in two parts, and do you think Disney Lucasfilm made the right decision in the end? Well, I only know that I have heard that there was some discussion about the notion of splitting it up into two movies, and that notion was shot down. I don't know how serious they were about the possibility, but... I have to say, I can't imagine they were that serious, especially considering the way that they approached the movies as a trilogy and a trilogy of trilogies. And ending a trilogy of trilogies with a two-part movie yeah, doesn't quite fly, unfortunately. So in that respect, I do think that they made the right decision in just doing one movie and making that be the end of the Skywalker saga, making it an official trilogy for the sequel movies, and making it a trilogy of trilogies for all the movies combined. I will say that does open the door to the question of whether they did right with the movie itself, because based on all the stuff that they have in the movie, they could have easily done two movies and had room to breathe if they had you know, not necessarily been so incredibly fast with the pacing and maybe given us a little more context, a little more background in certain scenes, a little bit more time to be with what happened in the movie. I see where they could have easily done this as two movies. So, yeah, in that regard, I guess that's something up for debate. But as far as the ultimate decision to say... This is, should be only one movie because it's a trilogy, it's a trilogy of trilogies. I definitely think that was the right way to go, the right way to frame the conversation overall. And you can talk about the execution as a separate situation. And next we have a question from Dennis Keithley, and Dennis asks, Exactly what Finn wanted to tell Rey on Pasana was never revealed during the movie. However, given the context of the movie and comments from J.J. Abrams, it appears that Finn discovered he had some connection to the Force. Did you like that reveal? How far would you like to see this explored in other movies, Disney Plus shows, or in books or comics? Do you think he is a potential future Jedi, or are his skills more along the lines of the Guardians of the Wills? And Dennis, by the way, is the former co-host of Starship's Sabres and Scoundrels, and now the current co-host of podcast Stardust, so do check that out. This question dovetails with something I've been thinking about for a while, and I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, so if not, then, you know, let's dig into it. I've been playing with a theory about the possibility that stormtroopers who threw off their conditioning by the First Order were potentially Force-sensitive, and the reason why they threw off that conditioning is because they were Force-sensitive. Now, we don't have a lot of evidence about this. It's sort of headcanony stuff, right? But we have Finn as an example of somebody who resisted the First Order's conditioning and ultimately is demonstrating some level of Force sensitivity. And then we also have Janna, who, with her whole company of First Order stormtroopers, all laid down their arms and resisted the training of the First Order and defected, got away. And 
my understanding of force sensitivity, at least the level of demonstrated force sensitivity, like even Guardian of the Wills level and above, is that it's comparatively rare in the Star Wars universe. So the fact that we only have the example of Finn or of the people with whom Janna was associated along with Janna as well, as examples of this, I mean, those are still pretty small numbers. And we don't know how, you know, the group that Janna was allied with and a part of where they all came from, if they were all harvested from different planets, or if there's any chance that there's some familial lineage involved anywhere. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's obviously a great unknown. But that's the sort of thing I've wondered about. Is it possible that First Order Stormtroopers who could not be conditioned or who, you know, for whom the conditioning didn't stick, if the reason why was because, say, their midichlorian count was high enough to block or otherwise thwart their First Order conditioning? Like, would Chirrut Imwe be able to be conditioned as a Stormtrooper for the First Order? My gut reaction is to think not. And so my answer is absolutely yes. I do hope that this notion gets explored in some fashion, even if it's not the way I'm imagining it or theorizing about it, but if ultimately it becomes an examination of Finn's capabilities in the Force and following his journey, yeah, I do hope that he becomes a full-fledged Jedi. I think that would be really cool, but even if we find out that it's only going to be a cheered Imwe level situation, I'm okay with that too. And I very much want to see what happens in the journey of the Jedi Order after the events of the Rise of Skywalker. So whether it's movies, TV, books, comics, whatever it is, I'm definitely all in for it. All right, I'm going to answer one more question right after the break. Stay tuned for that. Hey Rebel Razor, I've made some changes to the asteroid belt level at patreon.com slash sw7x7 and they are all with sponsors in mind. So if you want to get the word out about your business, your product, your service to a dedicated Star Wars audience, then please check out patreon.com slash sw7x7 and look for the asteroid belt level for details. Again, that's patreon.com slash sw7x7. Welcome back. So Pamela Johnson asked about the wrapped hula hoop that appears behind me. If you're checking out the audio version of the show, then hop on over to YouTube, for example, and check out this episode, and you'll be able to see the hula hoop that is behind me. So that is a hula hoop designed by a dear friend of ours named Stacy Lucas, who goes by the moniker Veggie Art Girl online, and she owns Fig Tree, which is an art gallery in Ashland, New Hampshire. She is a tremendously creative person. If you're familiar with the show Making It that's on NBC that's hosted by Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman, my wife Lonnie and I talk constantly about how we think if Stacy were on that show, she would destroy <laughs> the competition. And there's some seriously awesome competition on that show. But she is the one who made this and many other hula hoops. And that hula hoop is actually slightly larger than your standard hula hoop that you would find in a store and also heavier as well. And the fact that it's heavy actually makes it easier to keep it going for longer periods of time. It has just more weight behind it so it's able to 
as you get the motion down, it's able to be more stable while you have to do less work in the process. And we have a lot of Stacy's artwork in our home. We're very lucky that way. And in fact, I'll post some of it online later today so that way you can check it out for yourself. <laughs> but there you go, Pam. Thank you so much for asking about the hula hoop. And that's going to do it for today. But there are more questions to answer. And so we'll get to the rest of them tomorrow. But for now, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. Thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And thank you so much to Dennis and Pam and Bobby and all of the patrons who support Star Wars 7x7 at patreon.com SW7x7. I'm so grateful for your support and for your questions. We'll get to more of them tomorrow. But for now, may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2020 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.